Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Good evening and welcome back to another Tuesday evening episode of That's Truth here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. As usual, I'm Nathan Owens and sitting across the desk from me is Pastor Murphy. Good evening, Pastor. Good evening, Brother Nathan, and good evening to those who are listening this evening. Pastor, we have a number of questions that have come in since last week's episode, and then we will jump back into our topic of crime and punishment. And I know we have lots of statistics and facts and interesting data to back up the material tonight. But before we get there, a question from Dominica. Good night. I would like to ask a few questions. Is it possible to forgive someone and never speak to them again or accept any gift from them? A very practical question. Yeah, a very practical question. The the thing is there, I am not too sure ex- exactly um, what is being forgiven. For example, um, I can see somebody who has been hurt repeatedly, uh, maybe in a relationship, forgiving the person, but don't, but really don't want a close relationship. I can see that happening. But normally the Bible emphasizes that you move from forgiveness to reconciliation, and that would be the biblical model. I, I'm not too sure it's, it's possible uh, that you can offer true forgiveness and then don't want anything to do with the other person. I don't know if that's true forgiveness, but I do think there can be limitations in terms of one's interaction, and depending on the extent of the hurt, uh, I can understand people not want to get into a relationship where it has been repeated hurt in that regard. But generally, as I said, uh, you always forgive and you move towards reconciliation, which is to normalize relationships. Even though it may not be 100% perfect, it should still try to be some kind of contact, especially with dealing with believers. Uh, that would be my counsel at this point in time with that. Thank you for sending in that question. Now a WhatsApp question from Antigua. Is it true that the Jehovah's Witness Bible is not the same as other Bibles? Yeah, that is absolutely true. They have the, what is called the New World Translation, and it's, it's a botched Greek language and botched Hebrew. Um, there's not a Greek scholar that would endorse uh, their translation, and especially when it comes to passages dealing with the deity of Christ. Uh, it is very, very clear that they have a bias against uh, biblical doctrine, and therefore they interpret it and twist the Scripture to say what they want it to say. Rather than let the Bible speak for itself, they often insert a lot of words and their own interpretation into it. So it's a, it's a Bible that even though when you read it, 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 um, it you will find um, synonymous terms used as in, in Scripture, but the doctrinal part of it is really, really twisted. And you have to be very, very careful in the use of, of, of Jehovah's Witness Bible, especially when it comes in regard to the deity of Christ. And remember that I do not know uh, of any um, uh, Greek scholar that they can 
used to endorse uh, their their particular Bible. It's just a, a a book of distortion and twisting scripture and interpretation of scripture. I think at one time they tried to get Dana and Manti, who wrote the um, book on um, um, Greek grammar, manual of Greek grammar, and they were saying that they had endorsed uh, their interpretations and then. Uh, Dana and Manny had to come out and expressly say publicly that they don't support the interpretation. It was twisted, and uh, the comments they made was total fabrication. Now, if you are just talking doctrine or if you're witnessing to a Jehovah's Witness pastor, do you ever allow them to discuss their Bible? Like, do you sit there and read their Bible with them, or you always use your, your whether it be the King James or the ESV or whatever? One thing I try to do uh, and establish with them is try to establish a standard by okay. which you both agree. In most cases, they say yes. So you go to the King James okay. or the standard might be used. The problem is when they come to doctrinal sections that differ with their interpretation, they now want to switch to their, 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 their interpretation of that. And in most cases, uh, there's no scholar, I would use the term, that is familiar with the Greek language that you can actually take your interlinear or go online. Because they say, for example, that um, anytime the word theos doesn't have the definite article, before Theos is referring to a God. Now I can show you numerous passages in the Bible in, in the same chapter, John chapter one, where there's no um, there's no um, definite article, but yet it is also always translated God. So it is just a weird way of trying to uh, deal with them. But it's, it's, it's very difficult to deal with a Jehovah's Witness simply because he's not prepared to accept a standard uh, that we both agree on. And uh, then they, they begin to twist it once you come to a point where you clash with their position. Similarly, for example, we deal with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a force. He's not a person. But you can take them to John and show you very clearly. Jesus said, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come. But again, if you read in the Bible, it's completely a different story altogether. It's the deliberate uh, misrepresentation of Scripture because it's a biased interpretation that guides, guided the, uh, the, the translators. And it's very unfortunate that... Um, uh, they did not explain that to, to those who were reading it. And uh, unfortunately, many Jehovah's Witnesses have no background in the Greek language nor the Hebrew language. So you really can't help them because they're so much dependent. I remember that it's what comes out of the organization is God's voice. So it's very hard to counteract that once that's your established mindset. It's not the Bible. It's the interpreter comes from the, the, the uh, Watchtower group that is actually finally interpreted. That's how God speaks through the Watchtower Society. And that becomes very, very difficult to deal with them. And you would consider them a cult? Oh, yeah. There's no question about that. Uh, Jehovah, it's very hard for me to conceive of a Jehovah's being a safe person. How can you claim to be a safe person when you say that Jesus Christ is not God? I mean, if he's not God, how does his blood atone for the sins of the whole world? Uh, how do you, uh, how do you um, become a believer if you don't believe that the Holy Spirit is a person? Uh, you know, how, how does that happen? It is just, we've got to understand that religion, uh, man is innately religious, so religion is not the problem. Uh, the, uh, it really has to do with the, the, the actual uh, fundamental beliefs in Scripture, whether that religion is according to Scripture, the measure of Scripture, uh, the measure of the, that religion. But it's, it's a, um, even when it comes to the 144,000, it's so obvious when one reads Revelation, there's 12,000 from each tribe of Israel. But in their mindset, uh, they have twisted that to, to mean that it's the 144,000 Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, 
and the other group that our Lord talked about, uh, the other sheep, are the non-144,000. It's a total fabrication, no logic to what they're saying, and uh, it's very unfortunate that um, they get away with it, to be very honest with you. And, and the reason why they get away with it is because rather than people search the Bible, and look, Nathan, anybody can go online and uh, request an interlinear and see the English and see the, the Greek language. And if they're just briefly aware of what the um, the definite article is, and, and, and just follow the, the illogic of what they're saying doesn't make sense even for the first chapter of John. Now, to make sure that we're not just saying being accused of saying, no, this person's wrong, this person's wrong, what is the truth, Pastor, when it comes to the gospel? What is true salvation? The true salvation is what the Bible declares it to be. And uh, if you read uh, Romans chapter 10, Paul says, believe in your heart and uh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, make confession with your mouth. Paul also says, when he, when he was asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So belief in the Lord Jesus Christ is the basis of a person being saved. But remember that uh, repentance precedes that. There must be repentance and faith in Christ. We cannot tell people to uh, believe in Jesus without letting them understand that it's repentant from sin. And I think that's been a great mistake that has been made, that we've offered a simplistic gospel, just believe. But we've never explained to people that to make that uh, real, authentic uh, faith, it has the element of repentance. So it, it, to my mind, it's a contradiction. A man want to be saved from hell, but he doesn't want to be saved from his sin. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me at all. And that's where I think the weakness in the church is not emphasizing the need of repentance. Next question coming from Antigua. This is in relation to <clears throat> COVID. Question in response to an article that was supposedly from the Russian Ministry of Health about lies surrounding the COVID virus and also about an article in the Antigua newsroom where the Prime Minister is quoted to indicate that the COVID-19 vaccine might be forced on individuals. And the question, Pastor, is where in the Bible do you find what is going on in the world presently? Well, I want to make another comment that I read the uh, thing that you sent to me uh, uh, this evening. Part of the problem with the whole um, vaccine stuff, I think that there's a complete breakdown of trust in who to believe. Uh, the reason for that, to some extent, is the media itself. The media has been politically biased. So when uh, the other party was not in power, it did everything to undermine the credibility of what was being done. Now the, the new party's in power. Somehow they're trying to switch everything wrong to make it. And, and people are saying, but wait a minute. So I think the media has been complicit in this whole thing, and rather than trying to find the truth and, and settle with the truth, the media has sided uh, with a particular party. And as a result, I just saw, uh, I think it was last night, I was following some, some news, I think 70% of independents do not trust the media. 92% of the Republicans do not trust the media. And that is because of the massive bit distrust that has begun and the, and the coalition between the two groups. The other thing I think that is um, responsible for that. Uh, is the I'm having a problem with the the video that was sent uh, that they're saying that it's not a virus it's a bacterium now I would to, for me to believe that to be very honest with you it would take a lot of faith for me to believe that it would mean that the Israelis were wrong because they did the research on and said it was a virus as well the, all the Europeans are wrong England is wrong 
the only body right is washington to my mind i have a problem accepting that i cannot see the entire global world except russia and don't forget the main supplier of uh, vaccine is india as well they preserve pre- and the vaccine is created right so i'm having a problem trying to figure out how can it be a bacterium when all the other major countries that are high into scientific technology is saying it's a virus that would be quite a conspiracy. <laughs> it would. So I, I, that's why I'm having a little problem with that. I wish it were true. I, I was reading it. I wish it were true that you just get them a fensic or something or some antibodies and so on. But um, but coming back now to the other question, the Bible doesn't speak explicitly uh, to this matter in terms of saying there's going to be a, um, a, a virus in 2020 and 2021, but the Bible does uh, make it very, very clear that during the end time, uh, not only will there be wars and rumors of wars dealing with military, not only will there be political upheaval, nation against nation, etc., not only will there be complete um, spiritual apostasy, departing from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, uh, the whole breakdown of society. But it also tells you there are going to be natural phenomena like earthquakes and, and famines. These are things. But it also added pestilences, diseases. So it does make it very clear that as we move towards the end time, you are going to have this conversion for all of these different uh, elements. And that's going to lead the world to a place of chaos. And out of that chaos will arise one called the Antichrist, who will be a man of great intelligence, a great orator that will mesmerize the world and persuade him that he has the answer. And that's where the Bible talks about the Antichrist. But the situation has to be created for him to come out of that crisis. And I think this is exactly where we're headed. Uh, And the big one is coming sooner or later, the massive financial collapse of the whole system. Uh, I think that is going to happen, bringing about this this cashless society uh, where you need to receive a mark that you cannot buy yourself. I think that's going to happen. You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, broadcasting from the island of Antigua on 1160 AM, 92.3 FM, and online at www.radiolighthouse.org. The name of the program is That's Truth. It's a 90-minute live call-in program here on Tuesday nights, and we still have an hour and 15 minutes left in the program. So plenty of time for you to encourage others to tune in and also for you to send in your questions you can call and be put live on the air at one 462 7420 You can WhatsApp or text your question to one 1454 Or you can join us on Facebook Live. Go to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page. Click on the Facebook Live video feed. And then you can comment your questions or your uh, suggested topics for a future episode right there under the video feed on your device, and it'll get passed along to Pastor Murphy in a timely manner. Pastor, the next question. Good evening. This comes from Antigua. Good evening. There has been a recent scandal of the deceased Ravi Zacharias that has shaken the Christian community to the core. In so many ways, he shed light in my understanding of numerous topics. One... Most important to me, free will and God's all-knowing nature. Although he is not God, a lot of fellow Christians looked up to him and his teachings as to the truth of Scripture. I, for one, know that we ought not to focus on humans but Christ. What encouragement can you give to Christians 
who are seriously hurt by these allegations? Well, first of all, I think if you went on um, YouTube, there is a discussion on that subject, and I think Josh McDevil did a job on that, and um, there is another uh, senior respected um, Christian that also dealt with it. So I would recommend that you can go and maybe uh, hit Ravi and and stuff like that. I want to make a few comments, though, about the Ravi situation. Um, First of all, it is not speculation any longer. It's it's a fact that this is what has happened. And the sooner Christians wake up to that and and, and start living in denial, I think it's going to be helpful. Um, apparently, this was a situation that was known for a while, even by some of his organization, refused to listen to people who were telling them what was happening. And as a result, um, he f- I guess he felt he was a god of some kind and uh, went in that direction. Uh, I w- my, my few comments before I give some words of encouragement. You can always have a double life of deception. Never forget that. Uh, Ravi's a classic case, but there are many other religious leaders that within the last two decades that had the world at their fingertips, but were living double lives. So we ought to be aware that uh, every person has feet of clay, and we got to be understanding that it can happen. Uh, the other thing is that the looking up to a man of great intellectual ability and who had unique communication skills, that was Ravi. And I think a lot of people adored uh, the way he was able to express biblical truth. But I just want to say that a lot of a lot of this is book knowledge as well uh, that people acquire over a period of time. So don't be too impressed, whether it be me or anybody else, on, on these matters. You stick to God and the Scriptures and let that be the standard. If God has given somebody a gift, and etc., relish in the gift because Paul says all things are yours. But remember that ultimately our commitment is to God. And God has promised to bless His Word. So if he is able to take the word and through study and reading other books, able to shape that word so that you understand it, um, just understand it's the word of God that really uh, brings the blessing. Um, the other thing that that, uh, that comes to my mind is that a, a religious leader can reach to the point where he abuses uh, his privilege and his opportunities. Look, the people he took advantage of. He started these spas claiming that he had a back problem. I suspect he might have had a real back problem. And then he goes into these spas and get this treatment by these women. And I understand often with just a towel. Uh, that bothered me greatly when I, I learned those kind of things. I don't think Christians should engage in that kind of thing, quite frankly. Even in spas and and uh, body treatments and stuff like that, um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm very suspicious of those kind of things. It, I, your wife should do your body and your husband should do your body, but going to get people to do all this, kind, I'm not for that kind of stuff. I think it exposes temptation, and I can see a, a connection that can develop between two persons in that regard. And then the failure of accountability. Where Ravi was spending money that came into the organization almost recklessly. Uh, some of the things, apartments he bought and then what he was doing in the apartment, I think that that was ridiculous, to be very honest. Somebody should have held him accountable and to find out what was going on in there. But I guess he got too big for his britches, and uh, that is what happened. He felt he could just do what he wanted to do, spend money how he wanted to spend, and uh, nobody was holding him in a check in that regard. The other thing that I think is important here is what I call spiritual arrogance to lead a person to entitlement. Somehow he seemed to have thought in his mind, because he's done so much for God, uh, he was entitled to indulge. 
and uh, he should have the women that he wanted and get involved in those kind of things. He wasn't just satisfied with his wife. And I think a person is in danger of doing that when you think you've become too spiritually arrogant and too proud, and uh, you get that. In, and then those are the things I would uh, say um, about that. Um, but let me give you some words of encouragement now if I may do that. One thing I would say, you really need to pray for spiritual leaders. Uh, destroy the sheep, the shepherd, and, and scatter the, sh- the, 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 uh, the flock. The enemy knows that, and he knows that if he can pull down a, a, a leader of that prominence, it's not just pulling down Rabbi Zacharias, it's pulling down his ministry, pulling down people who have trusted and in his ministry, people who donated to his ministry. It breaks down even trust of people giving to such ministries now. Uh, so, so I would say really remember to pray because they're the target, basically. Uh, keep your eyes on God and not on man. Peter asked the question, what shall this man do? And our Lord asked him the question, what is that to you? Follow thou me. So just follow the Lord and make sure that he is your primary goal. Uh, take heed to yourself. He that think of his stand of take, he lest he fall. If a great man like this could fall, <laughs> a little nincompoop like you and me, uh, we are certainly within the realm of uh, uh, the possibility of falling, so we've got to be very, very careful. Um, other thing I would say to you is that if you're ever going to get into moral failure and you're thinking about it, think of the damage that is done to the work of God, especially through moral failure. I don't think it would have been so bad if he had used his money to do some crazy thing, like people buy a million-dollar house. Even that, I think, is crazy. I don't know why people would follow a pastor who indulges in that kind of extravagance. But if he had done that, they probably would not. But, but to hear of the infidelity, the betrayal of his wife, and the way it was done, the clandestine it was where, under the pretense that he is going away to have a, um, a sabbatical to, 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 to write books, this is where it really hurts people to believe that uh, how can this man be speaking so authoritatively but yet living this kind of a double life. And then always remember the cover-up is always worse than the act itself. So I think the persons who were within this organization, sh- who should have dealt with this thing before, by ignoring it and maybe even covering it for a while, when it finally hit and it started, came out that some of them knew the damage was far worse than it could have been if it was dealt uh, firsthand. And uh, I would say one last thing quickly, financial accountability. There must be financial accountability. No pastor, no leaders should ever have access to the finance of a, uh, uh, any organization without being held accountable by the body. Uh, and that need, and things need to be put in place that they checks and balances to ensure that funding is spent uh, for the particular purpose for which it was designed and not recklessly spent. And I said one more thing, but I can't help but say this. I think the greatest need in the church today is what I call a deep repentance. I repeat that. The greatest need in the church today is what I call a deep repentance. And I think that's the real problem that is holding back revival. Uh, I just I just feel very strongly. That's why God... Uh, so much preaching is done so much things are done. You've got so many big mega churches all over the... You've got so many good preachers, but no power. Hmm. And that's the problem. And I, I'm convinced that the real need is a deep repentance on behalf of the church itself. That's my few comments. A couple of questions in relation to that. Pastor, do you believe that God could still use and did still use 
Ravi's work, even when he was involved in that sin? As long as Ravi is dealing with the Word mm-hmm. and he's properly interpreting the Word, God blesses his Word. Okay. If that were not true, by the way, there are a lot of times a pastor can enter the pulpit and he's not right with God. He, he's aware of that. Mm. What does he do now? Does he not preach? Right? So I, don't, I, um, I, I believe that God blesses his Word. And I think if a man studies and prepares, even if it's second-hand material, and he presents his Word, God will bless his Word. Not to the extent that it, it could have otherwise, but he still blesses his Word. What is your advice for other pastors or maybe men who are preparing a message and there's a quote of Ravi Zacharias and they it's just so succinct and well put. Would you hesitate in quoting him in your sermons? Uh, it depends on the congregation. Okay. If the congregation is offended from what I get the general tenor that they're offended, I would be very careful. But I quote Lenin sometimes, I quote Mark sometimes, I, I would quote, I don't, as long as the, 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 there's some element of, if it is being misinterpreted or people think I'm sanctioning the person, I would desist from it. But if it's there to make a point and they've made a, a valid point, remember that, you know, I don't want to say this, but all truth is God's truth. Men discover things, but it doesn't, I mean, men don't make things, they discover things. And if a person is able to come up with a succinct truth, in a sense, it doesn't mean that his original truth is just um, that it's a truth whether it came from um, Ravi or come from somebody else but I, I would be very careful depending on the audience if I think the audience is prejudiced against him because of what has happened I'd be very watchful in, 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 in quoting him Pastor Murphy a WhatsApp question from Anguilla thank you to the individuals who are sending in your questions uh, good night gentlemen Pastor is there anywhere in the Bible where you can equate the present pandemic to I, I can't uh, I can't think of any uh, particular matter right now because I do know that when you go to Matthew chapter 24, as I mentioned, he says these are the things that are going to uh, precede uh, the second coming. Not the rapture now, okay? Uh, but if these things are already being seen and it refers to the second coming, it means the rapture is far sooner because the rapture occurred before the, the second coming. Uh, but I, I don't see it there. If you see it, you can share it with me. But I do feel that the, the indication, uh, general indication from both uh, Matthew chapter 24, um, um, 1 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, it gives you the whole ball of from the spiritual to the moral uh, to the geopolitical, whatever it is uh, that's going to happen. And I just think that this is just the beginning of sorrows. Something worse is, is going to come. You remember when people came up with herpes, I would say the worst thing in the world. And then we, we hit with AIDS. How many people count AIDS these days? Hmm. Now it's the what? The COVID, the COVID, yeah. right? The COVID. So it, it's, uh, whether we've, and by the, by the way, to my knowledge, they never found a cure for a virus. You can only, you just can't cure it. It's just right. that you can treat it, you can't cure it. Uh, you can't cure herpes either. It's something you have to live with. Um, look, when man departs from God, there are always co- consequences. And when man lives to the, the level of depravity that man is living at at this point in time, there are natural things that follow as a result. Man doesn't break the law. The law finds out ends up breaking man. And the violation of man's, uh, the, 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 the ungodly way in which man lives today, it has serious re- repercussions. Remember, not, we're not living in a theocracy. But in the Old Testament, the Lord said that if you follow me and follow my regulations and stuff like that, none of these diseases will come upon you. And he was talking about those things that were 
in Canaan if they would just be living an obedient life. And to some extent, the nation that has the Lord as a God is a nation that is blessed. Okay, Righteousness exalts a nation, but uh, iniquity always destroys a nation. And uh, some of these diseases are, are, are going to be man-caused because when you take your body parts and use it in a way that God does not intend and create the environment, it creates the environment for disease to, to happen. And I think unless, unless man change, the situation is not going to get worse. And I don't see man changing with a, uh, some kind of great revival and uh, or something real catastrophic happening to bring people back to God. I don't see it happening. Earlier you were talking about the verses that talk about end times and the things that will precede end times. And you mentioned also the lack of trust in media. There's verses that talk about deception in the end times. Is that a spiritual deception or would that also be a deception of the media uh, of just regular what is true, who do you trust? Well, again, if you go back to the book of Revelation, chapter 13 and 17, and uh, talking about the Antichrist, and great, speaking great words, you go back to Daniel, when Daniel talks about the little horn, and speaking great words, a great orator, great ability, and that this one deceives the whole world. But here is a conspiracy, uh, Nathan. The conspiracy is the alignment between politics and religion. Uh-huh. The false prophet pushes the agenda of the Antichrist. He plays the role like John the Baptist, you remember? John saying, this is the one to come. The false prophet does that so that you have religious leaders now aligning themselves with a political political leader and uh, virtually endorsing him as God's anointed. That is what is going to happen in the end time. But it's all part of the deception because both of them are working in cahoots and deceiving the whole world. So it is not just um, religious deception. Uh, we're here talking as well as material deception. I mean, I can, I don't have time to, I don't want to seem politically biased as well, but to be very honest, there's so many things the media has had to retract in the last what, five or six years. It is just appalling. And what I can't understand is that the media can deliberately lie and get away with it. <laughs> that bothers me greatly. Yet it's called freedom of the press. The press should never have freedom to lie. If you can make a mistake, and you should be able to say, well, this is why I made the mistake, but to be able to deliberately pawn a lie on the public and get away with it, and there are no consequences, that makes absolutely no sense to me. It just emboldens them to keep doing the same thing again and again. And, you know, uh, you've heard of George Orwell, yeah. right, 1984, right? Uh, again, he talks about this in his book as well, that this is where society... Now, he was a visionary. He saw it happening. Remember I did Animal Farm when I was in school as well. Uh, came up with a similar thing. Uh, how the, the, the um, elitists, the leaders... Um, said everybody was equal, that they were more equal than everybody else. You know, <laughs> it's like look, it is. It is um, to my mind amazing that people get away with too much, and, uh, and 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 I can't I can't figure it out yet. How can you do this? And there's no penalty to it. And, but then you know everybody in the press wants uh, always advocating freedom of the press, but you don't have freedom to lie deliberately lie. But that's happened repeatedly, repeatedly, and when people see it, trust breaks down. Another question from Anguilla: As a man of God, Pastor, what is your opinion on the mandatory vaccination as some of our Caribbean leaders are pushing? 
Look, I I took the vaccine myself of my own free will. Um, I am at the age where I'm in that vulnerable category, so I felt it was, you know, I didn't want to be reckless testing the Lord in that regard. Um, I think this is a personal thing. I think individuals should be offered the option to um, to take it or not take it. I don't see how it can be legally done. I heard that uh, because of some... I'm under, speaking on the correction now, but I understand that there's one religious group here that may, may not be allowed to, to do it because that is their religious conviction. <laughs> now, once that exception is allowed, I don't see how it can become legally binding on anybody, to be very honest with you. So I think right. if this is true, I think there's a legal loophole there that that is not going to happen. Uh, however, I can understand the government's position uh, on certain matters. For example, I can understand uh, that children are really not in danger. But they live in a home. Often grandparents are living. So what happened now? They bring the virus. Not It doesn't affect them, but does it affect the teacher that is teaching? I can understand why the government is very, very concerned on these matters. I don't have an answer to these things, but I would say this. Uh, whatever decision you make, make it of a good conscience, but be prepared to take the consequences. Right? You can't just want to make a decision without bearing the consequences. I have a son who is pretty much going to leave his job because of the insistence that he may have to take the, the virus, uh, take the, uh, the vaccine. vaccine. Uh, he is very knowledgeable. He's done a lot on the uh, the internet, followed up a lot of things, and uh, he is at the point where he doesn't know what to believe. He thinks that this. So I, I've told that that's the decision he has to make. But the company also has a right to make a decision because the kind of industry he's working is the tourism industry. And uh, what can that do to the... They could plummet the tourism industry to learn that the worker has the virus and give it to... So it's a tough decision. So we have to make decisions according to our conscience. And I would just say get as much of the information you can get and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I do not buy the conspiracy theory that all of these countries, including Israel and India and, uh, the, and Europe and all of these countries are just fooling people. I just don't buy it. I'm, and I'm sorry if I'm not um, in, in line with what you expected. And uh, I don't I don't believe it. It's too, too, too many people would know that for it not to come out uh, at some point in time. But I think you have to make a personal choice in that matter. You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. We're broadcasting from the island of Antigua, 1160 AM, 92.3 FM, and online at org. We are excited and awaiting your questions tonight. You can send them in in multiple ways. You can WhatsApp or text them to one 268 782 I'll give you that number again as you get your phone unlocked. And get ready to dial it and put it in your WhatsApp. WhatsApp or text your question 268 782 1454. If you'd like to call and be put live on the air, you can do that. The phone line is open and available, and the number to call is 268 462 7420. 268 462 7420. We'll put you live on the air. Or you can go to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page, click on the Facebook Live video feed, and you can comment your questions in the comment section, and they will also get passed along and asked live on the air. Time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening. 
is six and a half minutes after 8 p.m. We've got 55 minutes left in the program, so stay tuned to CRL. Pastor, we will answer more questions as they come in, but we are going to jump back to our topic of crime and punishment. We've been discussing it for the last two weeks, and we you define what crime is, and is crime is all crime sin? Is all sin crime? Uh, why is it that crime has been defined differently? As we jump in tonight, who or what would you say is to blame for the rise in crime in modern democracies? Well, look, I uh, I, I think blame that was used there, I think, is a, a very strong word. I do feel the number of factors that have contributed towards the rising crime uh, within the Western democracies. Uh, I, I would just like to highlight a few of them, if I may. I think one of the biggest problems is a complete breakdown of, of uh, biblical morality. Morality is always linked to behavior. And where you have the breakdown of, of morality in a country, any country, you have the increase in crime. I think part of that breakdown in morality that leads to the crime, I think that the public education and the media are to share a great part of that responsibility because they, they have helped erode the family and the moral values of society by deliberately committing themselves to a theory of moral relativism. So there's no absolutes, etc. I also mentioned think the church uh, has been too silent in a lot of these matters. Uh, the church is supposed to be the vanguard in leading the, the nation back to elevated moral level of morality. But very often, uh, the church itself have compromised uh, the biblical morality and as a result it cannot speak authoritatively to this generation because uh, the compromise is, is clearly there I think politicians as well are um, sometimes um, in dealing with making laws go completely contrary to biblical principles of morality uh, and I think that helps um, with the increase in crime. The other thing, of course, is that even within the police force, and not trying to knock the police force, because I'll tell you this, I think last time I got to this point where I was saying I was, I was checking the comparison of Antigua with all the Caribbean countries, the crime rate in Antigua is far lower than almost all the Caribbean countries. I was, I was really pleasantly surprised when I saw that. And I would like to commend the police force for whatever they're doing, um, etc. But still you have corrupt elements in every force. And I think that that has happened in the past. I don't know if it's continuing in the present, but I think that distrust uh, develops in the police once there's some kind of corruption. The home is another contributing factor. Dysfunctional homes, absentee fathers, morally weak women, uh, can't Discipline children. Um, this creates it compounds the problem. Uh, the social environment that we are currently uh, living in. Um, the formative years of a child's life, the first seven years, we've now virtually farmed that out to institutions rather than the mothers developing good moral principles in the children. I help. I think that's a contributory factor as well. The drug subculture that is becoming normalized in society through the sanction of using marijuana and four plants in the home and you could have a little bit, whatever it is, I think it's a grievous mistake. Uh, again, I know that I understand why certain things were done, 
But I think that if something is hurting an individual and hurting society, and nobody can dispute that, anyone can see a young man who was 16 years ago, uh, when he was 16, with so much promise, career possibilities, going to school, doing well, suddenly gets hooked on marijuana, he's a dope addict, uh, he, he's encouraged other people to come into the whole thing, and you lose a whole generation. I think that you don't help people by lowering the standard, you elevate the standard. And I think there should be some kind of a penalty involved in this whole matter, and a handle needs to be put on this, this situation, because it is marijuana today. Are we going to allow crack next time? And then after that, what else? Do we keep going, giving in, giving in, giving in to create a, a society that has no discipline whatsoever? I sometimes laugh when I hear people say they want to make the Caribbean countries like Singapore. We don't have that kind of discipline, right? It's not that we don't have the education. The problem is not that. We don't have that kind of personal discipline. A lot of things that are allowed in the Caribbean will never be allowed in Singapore. You can't go to Singapore, for example, and mark up a wall. You'd be flogged or you put in jail or something. These people take this thing very seriously. That's why they're so prosperous, has no natural resources. And, and uh, so you don't need the resources, but you need the discipline, which is what we don't have, see, in that matter. Um, and then uh, the drug culture, I mean, the, the, I think the economic situation in the country as well helps to contribute to the, the crime. Um, if you don't have job creation and business growth and career development and entrepreneurial expansion within a, an economy, uh, you're not going to have jobs. I, I, I have never done it as yet, but it would be useful for people who t- are always talking to do an exercise to find out how many secondary schools in Antigua, how many of these children come out of school every year, to have an idea of the kind of jobs that are needed to be created every year. I mean, the, the, the government doesn't have a magic wand to create jobs, but it should create the, the entrepreneurial environment uh, to, to help do that and maybe have joint ventures with private sector to, to really deal with these kind of matters. But you do need, when you have a struggling economy and you have high unemployment, uh, and uh, you're going to have uh, crime. And the other thing I think within the Caribbean that needs to be looked is the, hard, the high startup cost of a business. Hmm. And the time it takes to get anything done is... <laughs> It is just amazing how anything gets done, to be very honest with you. And I think that is something that we need to change within the Caribbean. I don't know. I don't have the answers to a lot of these issues. Um, And then the justice system itself, uh, Nathan, uh, is greatly uh, contributes to this matter. If crime is not dealt with quickly and punishment is not um, dispensed, the rate of recidivism increases. It is when people know that if they do a, a crime, they're going to be caught and they're going to be um, tried and it's not going to be this prolonged period of time. And I think the Nathan last week, I think he brought that to our attention. The Bible says that uh, because judgment is not executed uh, speedily against an act of crime, the hearts of men are fully set to do evil. And that has to do with the, the dif- distance between a crime is committed and when it is punished. People are emboldened to, to, to do that. Uh, so I think that is, those are just some of the reasons I think that uh, factors that um, I think help contribute towards this whole matter of, of crime. You mentioned that the church has been silent for too long in many cases. Are you advocating that the church should preach sermons on social issues? 
Well, there's nothing wrong in the church preaching a sermon once, a pastor preaching a sermon on issues that are focused in, in the country and give a biblical application. Nothing wrong with that. What the church has got to do is to avoid being becoming politicized, siding with one political party and can't criticize a political party because the members uh, belong to that political party. If a government is doing something wrong, and uh, it needs to be addressed. It's, it's suitable to use a biblical, if there's a biblical principle involved to bring that to the attention of the church. On the other hand, when the government is doing something good as well, it's good to commend the government for that. So you're not seeing that you're just critical, 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 critical. And, you know, you've got to be objective in this thing. You can't say, well, because this is the party I vote for, I can't say a word against it. And I think that is where, in my judgment, I think that what people don't understand that the, to politicize the church has really been is going to be detrimental to the church in the long term. It's already being detrimental to the church because when the church should be taking a stand on certain matters, it doesn't because I don't want to offend my party. I think that's a grievous mistake, and in the long term, we're going to pay a great price for it. Here's a question from uh, Codrington here in Antigua, Pastor. Who is the first Mary, and who who is the first Eve, and who is the second Eve? Is it true to say that the first Eve in Genesis was the mother of all sin and that the second Eve, Mary, was the mother of all righteousness? There's no second Eve. There's only a first Eve. And there's a Mary who was a human instrument that God used to bring his son into the world. His son is a savior. He's the one that brings about righteousness, not Mary. There's no righteousness apart from righteousness that is offered in Christ Jesus. The Bible says there are two types of righteousness. There's works righteousness that come through the law, and righteousness which is apart from the law by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So there's no second Mary. There's a, there's a first Adam and a last Adam and a second Adam because the Bible sees Adam as the federal head of humanity and Jesus Christ as the second federal head. Mary plays no part in that. So to, to, uh, to conflate the two is to misinterpret the Bible. Thank you for those who have sent in your questions thus far. You can send your questions to on WhatsApp or text to 268-782-1454. Or you can call and be put live on the air, 268-462-7420. As we continue our topic of crime and punishment, Pastor, you were talking about uh, the causes for the rise in crime in recent years. On this note, why do you think that there is so much crime in America? And we're going to use America as an example. And there's one reason for a lot of the statistics coming out of America is because that's where the statistics are available from. So I realize we're in the Caribbean. I realize that we're in Antigua. But you may hear a fair bit of statistics, but they're coming from the U.S. because that's where they're available from. Pastor, America is considered the world's richest country and the land of opportunity. Why was there any crime there, let alone lots of crime? There's several reasons. Uh, and, uh, I'm not a sociologist, so to go in and, but I said one of the problems America has, it is a heterogeneous society. It's not a, a homogeneous society. Let me explain what I mean. America has got all types of people in it. America allows one million people legally every year for every different part of the world. So you do not have a society that used to, it used to be a melting pot 
where people that came in had to learn American history, had to learn the American language. They had to integrate. That change with multiculturalism culturalism that was introduced. Europe tried it, and it's been a disaster. England tried it, it's been a disaster. And America tried it, and it's a disaster. You have to have people who come to your country, who love your country, who want to buy by the laws of your country, who embrace your culture, et cetera, et cetera. Unfortunately, that is not the case. Where So you've got all of these different groups. Uh, if you've got 100 company, countries, you've got 100 little small countries in 50 states. That homogeneity that used to be there is no longer there. I think the American people begin to realize that it, 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 something needs to be done. So I don't know what's going to be done in the future, but I think that's one of the major, major problems uh, as far as... The other thing for America is the senseless open border you have. That makes no sense to anybody who has any sense, period. Okay, um, You can't allow criminals to come across your border. Not only, the amount of drugs, I forgot the amount of people that die from drugs that come across. It's something like 70,000 or something like that every year yeah. just from the border. What, what leader would be uh, almost immune or insensitive to 70,000 uh, people dying of your own countrymen because of the open border allow all these drugs. It just doesn't make any sense to me, period. And when you bring in all, uh, look at the um, the gangs that come in from South America and the, the, the lives that are taken, I quite frankly believe that a, a, an American citizen should be allowed to sue the government when an illegal immigrant is allowed to come in and, and he's let go and he commits a murder, he commits some crime. I really believe that, that there should be a penalty and the government should be made to pay for that. Um, so, I th- and, uh, so I think the, 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 um, the, the fact that you're no longer a homogenous society, I think the open border has created... Uh, and by the way, the people who suffer most is not the people living in these big houses, you know. It's the people, because they end up in the ghettos, they end up in the, in the cities, etc., etc., and that creates massive problems for those people living in those cities. The other thing I think is uh, in America is, is the, the, the folly of politics, uh, identity politics, uh, the stoking of racism in America, uh, the inciting of, of vandalism and encouraging lawlessness and, and not speaking out on these kind of things. No nation can survive with that kind of division in it. And uh, politicians, because they want to get into power, remain in power, uh, are not really speaking out on these kind of things. The other thing, too, Nathan, I think, is a complete secularization of American life. And that involves uh, a lot to do with the school. Um, taking up the Bible to school, prayer to the school, it has consequences. It has consequences. Even to do a Bible study became a problem. But yet the yoga people can come in, the TM people can come in. It just didn't make any sense to me. And I, 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 whether we like it or not, America is not a perfect society. And it's... It will never be a perfect society. No society is perfect. But I don't think anybody can dispute that America at least uh, has been a Christian society in terms of the mindset and the biblical principles. So to see all of that eroded and allowing all of these Eastern religions to be able to go into the schools didn't make any sense to me. And I I still can't understand it, why the American people did not rise up and and we want equality and these kind of things. I think that is uh, another part of it. And then the other thing, Nathan, is the legal system. I think in America perhaps need overhauling. Uh, let me give you some facts here uh, that shocked me. Um, and these are facts that people can research for themselves. Every 22 minutes in America, there's one murder. 
every 22 minutes. Every five minutes in America, there's one rape. Okay? Every 49 seconds, there's a robbery. And every 10 seconds, there's a burglary. Now, just think about that for just a moment. Okay. It's a lot of crimes just but since the time we, we finish the here, yeah, you can do the statistic and you see exactly what will happen by the time the program is over. Since the 1960s, the American population has increased by 41%. The crime rate has increased by 300%. Now, think of the okay, disproportion give that, of that. Give that to me again. The population has increased by 41%, but the crime has increased by 300%. Think about that. That is staggering. Um, Teenagers, for example, are responsible for a disproportionate share of the violent crimes in America. Uh, Violent crimes among teens have doubled, and murder among teens have also doubled. Uh, The growing uh, um, drug and gun culture that you have in America... The battle for turf in America uh, is a serious matter. And I think that that in itself, wherever you have drugs, you are going to find crime. Wherever you find gambling, you're going to find crime. So those things have to be mitigated. The other thing is the habitual criminal uh, commits the majority of crimes and gets off with tremendous leniency. Listen to this statistic, okay? 7% of the criminals in in the jails of America commit two-thirds of the crime, but they're able to come out and do it again and again. Think about that for just a moment, okay? Repeat, repeat, repeat. Three-quarters of all the robberies and rapes and murders in America uh, is committed by 7%. And here is, is the reason. If you commit a murder in America, the average time you spend in jail is five and a half years. The average time, Okay. If you commit a rape in America, the average time you spend in a year in America is three years. If you commit a robbery, the average time you spend in America is two two years. If you commit assault, the average time you spend is one and a quarter years. Now, I I don't have to um, elaborate on the repercussions of such leniency and how it emboldens uh, a criminal. I had a statistic that I think is is is, is uh, sh- shocking when I first. Um, Sorry, I want to share it with you and the audience. And this is done by the um, A&M University, Texas uh, University. Uh, Morgan Reynolds um, did a study just on burglary, for example, in America. Okay, listen to the facts. Every month in America, there are 500,000 burglaries. Okay. Of these, only 250,000 are reported. So half of the burglaries, nothing happens to those people. Okay, of this two hundred fifty thousand that's reported, thirty five thousand are arrested. Okay, all that. Out of the uh, thirty five thousand arrested, thirty thousand and four hundred fifty are prosecuted. Out of that, only twenty four thousand and sixty are convicted, and only sixteen thousand of those spend time in jail. Now you to explain that to me. Uh, <laughs> In other words, to be a burglar in America pays. When you calculate how much time you probably would spend in jail and the possibility of getting caught, uh, it has been worked out. Uh, that is almost amusing that they've worked out in themselves that chances are we'd be hardly going to get caught. And if we do spend time, we'd be out in a very short space of time. And of course, 
Burglary eventually leads to murder because when you see a person and he knows that, you know, he'll yeah. kill you. So I think that uh, to some extent, the leniency uh, on these matters is something that uh, is, needs to be overhauling. And I don't know exactly how it's going to be done, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Once, uh, if we did that in the Caribbean, we're in real serious trouble, extremely serious trouble. So violent offenders receive an average in America of seven years and 11 months but actually serve only two years and 11 months in jail. Now, a guy can calculate that. Yeah. Yeah, very easily calculate. I'll be out in two years. But I'll, I'll, I'll knock you off. I'll finish you off. Right? I think that has helped to create and exacerbate the problem there. So 51% of the violent criminals are discharged from prison in two years or less. 70, 76% are back on the streets within four years or less. That explains the problem America has. But the moment you begin to deal with it, it is twisted to either be racism or white supremacy or something else. And and that's why people's hands are tied. It's like, you know, it's like you can't criticize women because you're sexist if you criticize anything a woman does. Uh, you can't point out anything about uh, a black person because if you do that, you're racist. It's just crazy that we reach that kind of stage. And that's why I say that when it comes to Christianity, I cannot understand why Christians seem to follow in that lane. The problem with people is neither pigmented. The problem is an evil heart. Yeah. Out of the heart, uh, the, the, the evil speak, and then uh, the, the, the heart is desperately wicked. Jesus said, "Everything that we do comes out of the heart. The heart has nothing to do with black, blue, pink, pink, green, or yellow. Right? That's the problem. But Christians, to my mind, is the biggest problem in trying to deal with a lot of these issues. They just are not. They are biblical until the Bible." comes into conflict with their ideology and then suddenly they've got a different opinion on these matters. So I'm just saying, uh, Nathan, those are some of the issues I think that uh, help to explain uh, the situation in America and I think that um, they're always comparing America with the other developed countries and say, but they don't have the, those don't, they don't have a heterogeneous society like America has. They don't allow the volume of immigration America has. They don't have an open border you take England, for example, or Canada. You try to get into England or Canada. I know people who are even married, and the regulations that I. But you'll you'll hear the English people even on the, the on the on the radio or somebody. And I'm I'm hearing, seeing it on the. And I'm saying to my, I can't believe these hypocrites, that they would uh, twist it as well, and they themselves have got their own secure borders, and and they do merit system. If mm. you come into their country, you have to have some skill you can offer. Right, and then when America tries to do that now, suddenly it is racism. It just baffles me, completely baffles me. Pastor, do you think that violence in movies and video games is affecting the amount of crime? No, I'm glad you mentioned that because I didn't, I didn't, uh, didn't put that one down. But that is a serious problem. Most of the, a lot of the uh, serial killers, uh, when they were interviewed, um, not only was pornography part of the whole thing but violent games and violent um, movies and stuff like that it's like a butcher who is constantly killing animals he's seeing blood every day 
and suddenly he loses animal to him human is almost like a killing a human like killing an animal because he's so much accustomed to it and I think that psychologically uh, these violent games has a psychological effect whatever goes into the mind goes into the subconscious and begins to affect you uh, so I think that they do play a major part and I think all the research that has been done along the same line indicates that it is partly responsible for the violence that you're seeing uh, on the streets as well Pastor, a question from Anguilla. Pastor, in reference, in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 16 to the end of the chapter, will the church already be raptured when these things come to take place? And let me read this. Revelation 13, 16 to 18. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, Revelation 13:17 says and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name here is wisdom let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast for it is the number of a man and his number is 603 score and 6 question will the church already have been raptured when these things take place i can just give you my own uh, personal interpretation uh, i am a pre-trib pre-millennialist uh, i believe the church is going to be raptured before what you've mentioned there that has to do with the antichrist and uh, that is when you read the book of daniel uh, chapter 9 verse 27 uh, the 70th week uh, where a covenant will be made between the Antichrist, the world leader, and Israel. And Israel would depend upon there uh, for protection. In the midst of that seven years period, they break the covenant. Um, that's a long, long story. I don't want to go into all of that. But I believe that that is exactly what's going to happen. The, the church will be raptured. So what you have in Revelation has to do with the, uh, the Antichrist and the regime that's going to be set up in the end time. Daniel talks a lot about this in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7, and Daniel chapter 9. You find it also in Revelation. Then if you check Matthew chapter 24, it's all dealing with the same period of time. Um, if you're not a premillennialist, there are other views. There's some that believe that there's not going to be any millennium. And there are people that look at the book of Revelation and think it's all allegorical. It's a spiritualizing the struggle between good and evil. Uh, so... But biblically, uh, I think I can show you, and I think we can refer you to a program that will indicate that uh, there's the premillennial view and why we believe that and why um, the events of Revelations 13 and 17 as well refer to not the rapture but the revelation. If you would like more detail on the topic of uh, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, you can go to the podcast of That's Truth. There's a number of ways you can get to it, but you can just go to Google, type in That's Truth Podcast, choose your provider, whether it be Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and then you can go to uh, episode 95 as the rapture explained, and there's a whole series from episode 89 all the way to episode 106 is talking about Bible prophecy and end times, uh, the tribulation, the rapture. And there are 
many, many different topics out there, and that resource is available to you to share with friends, to study for yourself, to find out what the Bible says about specific topics. We have a WhatsApp. Go I, ahead. I, I want to make one other I did have one more um, explanation for why the crime is so high in America. I do feel too, Nathan, to be very honest, that there are still pockets of racism in America. I don't believe America is a racist country. Um, I don't believe that the majority of the police are racist in America. But you do have pockets of it. And when one police does what is very clearly an evil and take that, I think it emboldens people to keep this narrative going. And uh, it's unfortunate uh, that this happens. But I think people need to be objective as well when these things are are being said. You just can't take a position. Um, You know, uh, Martin Luther... uh, pointed out that a man should be judged by the, his character, not his skin. I think that is still true. That is true of whites, blue, pink, black, or whatever. And because one white police commits a crime, you can't label all whites racist. I, to me, that's totally ridiculous. I've heard people say as well that a black man can't be racist. What kind of foolishness am I hearing? Right? So all of this is nonsense, and I can't understand why people would reason can't uh, just take a balanced biblical approach on these kind of matters. We're not excusing uh, these pockets of whatever happens, but you can't take a brash and, 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 and paint everybody in one, because that's not true, absolutely not true. A WhatsApp question from Sweets Village, Antigua. Hi, good night. Why is it that the Bible doesn't go into depth with Adam and Eve? I'm reading the book of Jasher, and it goes into depth where the devil tempted Adam and Eve on more than one occasion. So why does the King James Version not go into depth with it? And why do the book of Enoch and Jasher, are they excluded out of the Bible we now have? Well, I'm not going to deal with the Joshua because we dealt with that before. It's a program we dealt with that because that question came up before. All I would say to you that God has given to us all that he wanted to give to us. Uh, A lot of these other books that were added, these are not canonical books. And if you want to find out why they're not canonical books, I would suggest you get the uh, ask Brother Nathan to give you the program because we dealt with this already. Uh, What we have is a complete Word of God. And you've always had... And by the way, it's not that we don't know these books exist. Uh, there are a lot of what they call pseudepigraphal books that uh, the church knows about and a lot of intertestamental books as well uh, that the church knows about. But these are not things that the... This is something that the... That uh, they've been examined thoroughly. Some of these books are out, um, anachronistic. They include things that are not according to the time, the time of writing. You would know exactly when the book was written, depending on the format, etc., etc. There are different types of literary criticism that you can use to know when the book was written, etc., etc. So, uh, but that's another discussion in itself. Uh, we don't want to go along that line. But all I would say to you is that the Bible has given us all that we need to know. It doesn't go into all these, these details. And uh, those books are, if they contradict the Bible, they must not be taken as infallible. They must be seen for what they are, fabrications. The Word of God is the Scriptures, and that's the end of the story. If you want to believe something else, I can't convince you of that. That's your own opinion. But as far as I'm concerned, and as far as the Church is concerned, we have the entire book in the, in the, in the Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. That's God's Word. Our Lord endorsed uh, the Old Testament, 
and he told us that the Holy Spirit would give us the New Testament. When you attack the Bible, you attack the integrity of Christ and the deity of Christ, and it must be seen from that perspective. It's not a simple matter to attack the Scriptures. Pastor, as we go back to our topic of crime and punishment, we've spent a lot of time on crime. Let's transition to punishment. Should criminals be punished? And if so, what is the purpose of that punishment? Well, uh, there's no doubt that there has to be some penalty when a crime is committed. And remember that we're not talking about sins now that the God would deal with. We're dealing with sins, uh, acts of against individuals and property that society deems to be hurtful or damaging to individuals. But shouldn't we be merciful? I mean, God is merciful. Yeah, we, we, there's an element of mercy in, in everything that we do. Uh, but again, there has to be consequences. Uh, the Bible has given, to, uh, God has given to government uh, the authority to use the sword if it needs to use the sword. And that's the extent that God has given to them that to exercise capital punishment if that's required. Uh, that was given in Genesis chapter 9, and it continues to the end. Um, but uh, there's no question that you have to be able to deal with crime when a crime is committed. Um, so there should be some kind of, 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 of uh, punishment involved. But the purpose for which you have this uh, punishment is something that we probably sh- should consider. And there are four things, re- reason why you, uh, four purposes of punishment, okay? Where you punish people or you uh, make them pay a consequence. Number one is for rehabilitation, okay? You have a child, you discipline a child. You have a right to use the rod to discipline a child. The government doesn't give you that right, God gives you that right. It doesn't come from the government, it comes from God. That's your child, God has given you the right, so you have a right to use the rod if you need to. No government has a right to tell you you can't whip your child. Okay? And you ought to challenge them if that happens. Be willing to go to jail if you require to go to That's your child. They didn't give you the child, God gave you the child, and God will tell you exactly. So that's, that's the first thing I like to say. God's uh, intention in Scripture, He said, I, I take no uh, delight in the death of the wicked but that he uh, repent and return to him. So God wants rehabilitation. There's no question about that. Um, I think if we were to look at certain passages in Scripture, it's the idea in, in dealing with even discipline in the church is about restoration, restoration, restoration. So I think that's an important principle that need to be, uh, we ought to be concerned about when it comes to punishing people who commit crimes. Uh, humanitarian criminologists uh, make rehab the only valid reason for punishment. And that's a massive mistake because it's not the only reason why people should be punished uh, to just bring about rehab. We want rehab, but there are other reasons why people are punished. The other thing, of course, Nathan, is a deterrent. You should uh, punish crime as a deterrent. Uh, even um, in people in the church, uh, Paul says, for example, in Timothy chapter 5, verse 20, that if an elder, if he commits sin and it is known, he ought to be rebuked publicly that others may fear. See? So even uh, where there's clear sin in, a, in an elder's life and uh, it becomes known, he ought to be rebuked publicly. Why? That others may fear not to do the same thing. Uh, Deuteronomy 17, I'll just give these references, 12 to 13. Uh, well, look at that. Deuteronomy 13, 17, 12 to 13. Deuteronomy 17, 12 to 13. 12. That says, And the man 
that will do presumptuously and will not hearken unto the priest that standeth to minister there before the Lord thy God or unto the judge, even that man shall die and thou shalt put away the evil from Israel and all the people shall hear and fear and do no more presumptuously. Deterrence. You see, even if you take the life that deters a person. There's no question about that. Capital punishment deters murder. There's no doubt about that, right? Uh, so it, it's to be used as a deterrent as well. And look at Romans chapter 13 and um, uh, read from verse number one, and I'll tell you when to stop, please. Okay. <clears throat> Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to do to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Here's a point again. As a result of the government having the right to use a sword and to um, inflict punishment, the questioner, that creates fear, fear of punishment for doing the same thing. So the element of deterrent is there when the government has the coercive power to um, enact certain laws that deal with crime. If that law is executed and it is seen to be executed expeditiously, persons are reluctant to do the same thing. If people get away with stealing in the bank and embezzling funds, etc., etc., what do you think would happen? You're going to keep doing <laughs> it. keep doing it, see? Mm-hmm. So the element not only of rehabilitation is important, but the element of deterrence uh, is, is crucially uh, important. And how, then... How so, would you respond to the individual who says, but Pastor, man is basically good, so we don't need to deter him from doing wrong? That's not a biblical uh, proposition there. That is uh, humane or a humanistic problem. The Bible says that man is basically evil. He's born with an evil nature. And that ne- evil nature needs to be nurtured uh, in the sense that it's controlled and uh, not nurtured to create for evil. <laughs> the idea of it had to be re- uh, deterred, uh, etc. But uh, anybody that reads the Bible uh, would have to be reading the Bible with their eyes closed to think that that is, would be the biblical presentation. No, the Bible makes it very clear that man is, is evil from the time he's born. As the Bible says, spark, fly up, basically, that's the nature of man with evil in, in himself. So uh, we are, you must approach the Bible, uh, humanity, and understand that man is also basically selfish, I would say this. Not only is he... Um, in his heart evil but he's basically selfish the problem today by the way is that we are enjoying the benefits the residual benefits of a Judeo-Christianity for so many years that's why we, we, we think that man is basically born good because the gospel has so pervaded western civilization and you've had all these laws that are based on Judeo-Christian principles that have helped retard sin for so long so we are we are like people who uh, had something going we no longer have it, but we're now living on the fridge benefits of it. That's exactly what is happening. But we can't live on the fridge benefits too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, be, and that's what's happening now. It's coming home to roost. Because we've gone away from those principles, we're having massive problems like we have. The third thing, Nathan, that way we would punish people is to protect the innocent. Protect the innocent. Uh, 
95 to 98% of the present American inmates will return to society and 68% of those will commit a crime. Wow. All right? Just bear that in mind. Okay, just bear that in mind. When you, so a government has a right to protect the innocent. And uh, to protect the innocent, it requires the punishment of um, a, cr- a criminal. The last thing is, is, is punitive. Uh, and this is really where, um, where imprisonment comes in as well. It's, it's, it's really punitive. And I, I, uh, you can't uh, ignore the fact that there, are, um, there should be punitive punishment for certain crimes, etc., uh, however, I'd like to say this, uh, uh, Nathan, that when you check the scriptures, there's really was no um, uh, endorsement of imprisonment for uh, nonviolent crimes. What was done in the Old Testament, and we talk Old Testament principles now, is that it was made that the person who committed these particular nonviolent crimes was to compensate the victim. And I think that uh, that procedure has long been lost and it may be something that uh, needs to be returned to by the legal authorities and uh, maybe revisit it when it comes to dealing with these matters. Uh, so those are the four fundamental reasons why uh, it's punishment and why it is used and why it's needed. The mixture of that now is where you have to decide where the emphasis come, and that will depend on the crime. We want we want uh, remedial action in, in terms of people are concerned. We want rehabilitation, no question about that. Uh, we also want deterrence. We don't want people because they feel they can just get away with it and there are no consequences. We also want it to be punitive. They have to, to be able to repay the victim. Uh, and the, whole, the person is missing all of this is the victim. Uh, it's not just repaying it to the government or to society, but in the, New Te- in the Old Testament, we pay the victim in, in that situation. And of course, I just mentioned as well, the, we've got to protect the innocent, and sometimes it requires the incarceration of violent people. You referenced the statistic there that 68% of prisoners who are let out will uh, commit another crime. Yeah. Based on that, what would you say to the individual who says, Pastor, let's just lock people up and keep them locked up for life? I don't think that's necessarily the answer. I, I do feel that. Let me talk about how to, what, what, what's going, what, what needs to be done. We can talk about that. I do feel that um, it happens that way in America because the sentence, uh, even if it is decided on, it is normally foregone through parole and stuff like that. I think that encourages people to do that. I think that there should be clear penalties. People understand the consequences carried out. Uh, I am for mercy. Don't misunderstand me. I have for people who get too generally converted and generally change, that you revisit those kind of things and make sure that, you know, I am for that parole. But the idea of just uh, letting people go because, you know, I, I'm not for that whatsoever. I cannot think of a person who has murdered my son out on the street in five years. Yeah. I cannot think of a person who has raped my daughter out on the street in three years. I don't know what I would do, could be very honest with you. But those are serious things. I, when, people, when a person is raped, Nathan, for the balance of their life, they're scarred. Right. right? Scarred for life and can't even function. 
when your penalty is so light and so easy, I think it really, really could cause people to take the law into their own arms. And, uh, and, and that's not the ideal. The government is there to protect the innocent, and I think that that should something need to be looked at. A WhatsApp question coming from Anguilla. Pastor, depends on what Bible we use, but Genesis one twenty eight, the word replenish is used. When it is used, it gives the impression that life was there before. What say Estelle? Let You're right about that. I would, su- I would suggest to you, if you take the any lexicon, uh, any concordance, check it and see the word is an unfortunate word. I saw it before, and I think somebody in my church, uh, I think it was Brother Lorik, drew that to my attention. When it, why was the word replenished there? The word is not replenished in the, Greek, in the Hebrew language. And I would uh, challenge the person to look at it in the, in the, in the Hebrew language and see that it was a very unfortunate translation. It's very interesting. I'd never noticed that. Yeah, it's <laughs> people that, you know, th- th- a lot of these things are not new. These are things as well that uh, people who pastors have been answering these questions for a long time. And that's why there's so many encyclopedia biblical problems uh, there's several of them online that deal with these. Where did Cain get his wife? That is such a common problem. <laughs> Every, but there are answers to those issues that people are not aware of. But because uh, maybe somebody you know put it out there and say, but I, uh, the person is right about that. It's the unfortunate translation. Thank you very much. I, I would add here, no Nathan, no that was brought up. That's why we got to understand that no translation is inspired. Okay, no translation is inspired. Uh, You've got to understand that the language, it's not, there's a guy called, uh, I forgot his name right now, there's a guy that started a lot of this King James only stuff in America. Uh, I wish his name would come back very quickly. but he did a lot of stuff in saying that we we should now uh, let the King James interpret the Greek language and correct the Greek language. He went that far, to be wow. very honest. It was so stupid. It wasn't even worth intellectually entertaining. But uh, I would like to say that's why you must understand that translations need to be, and you need lexicons, you need Bible dictionaries, because a lot of this can be cleared up by just a simple going to a concordance. Time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 8.52. We have six minutes left in tonight's episode of That's Truth. If you have a question, go ahead and send it in very quickly via WhatsApp or text to 268-782-1454. Pastor, how do you fight crime and reduce recidivism? There are so many things I would like to say on that matter. I'm trying to to be very selective uh, because of the limitation of time. Um... One thing I would say here, I really think that they need to revisit how they, you know, we got a recidivism rate. I don't know what it is in Antigua, but I know in America it's like 70%, 71%. Can you define what is recidivism? It's a person who keeps repeating the crime. Okay. Right? I know that sometimes there are, um, there are no prisons that are most like hotels. Uh, who want to be out of a hotel? I mean, uh, despite the fact that you lose your freedom. But if you can watch TV and got gourmet food and get better, better health care than the person in the streets. I know of a case like that in the Caribbean, by the way, mm. that the criminal uh, gets better dental treatment and, and all this kind of treatment than the, the average citizen, etc. I thought that is kind of crazy, but it's reality. And, you know, but some of these prisons, quite frankly, they're, you know, uh, encourage people to, to return. I, I don't think they should never want to return as a result of, of, of going to prison. But I do feel that, for example, Nathan, I think that um, boot camp for some of these uh, youngsters that 
uh, commit crime. And I mean, uh, get a special part of the defense force that deals with them. A real boot camp. I mean, like military stuff and stuff like that. And let them burn up their energy doing... I think that that is something that can be looked at. I don't have an answer to that one, but I really think that if I was a government... I would really sit down with whoever's the colonel up there, whatever it is, and say, listen, we don't want to send these young men to jail or whatever it is, but we got to do something. They just can't get away with this stuff like that. And I think that a boot camp for a year or two or something like that really make them do some serious stuff and training and stuff like that. I think that would be one thing I would recommend. Um, I do feel, too, that um, the inmates should be, depending on the situation, should be meant to attend school within this this, this setting. I know that that probably is being done in in, in prison. I'm not too sure what's going on in there, but I think it's important that if you get, especially the young people, because when you have a guy who's gone to jail, he doesn't have a good education. He's getting to drugs. You put him out there, he still doesn't have a good education. What's he going to do? So you have to help him uh, be able to at least make a living, whether that be learning the basics, English and maths, and giving him a skill of some kind. I think that would help a lot uh, if I was a young man, 17 or 18, I was, didn't have a good education, I don't have any papers, I mean, what am I going to do, especially in the Caribbean, to be honest with you? And I went to jail, I don't know when to get out, because once you get that stigma on you in the, in the Caribbean, it, it stays for life. Uh, America is almost proud, people are proud to go to prison, it seems to me. But in the Caribbean, it's not that way. You, you try, to, <laughs> try to avoid uh, going to jail. But in light of that in the Caribbean, I think something else should be done with these situations to try to make sure that these people don't repeat the matter. And you need to help them. And they're incarcerated, so it's not enough whether they want to or not. They're forced to do it. You do your best to try to help them in that regard. Um, I think that there are some prison-based ministries here. I'm not too sure, but I do feel that that would be good uh, to, to do whatever it is. I've, there's some industrial complexes here in Antigua that have some vacant buildings that I know, to my mind, they're just rotten. Uh, I, can, I can see that if I was the government, I mean, let's face it, the government doesn't have money to do a lot of things. But I think within Antigua, there have to be volunteers, people who are retired, who want to give back something to society. And I think that they've got managers who have resigned, bankers who have resigned. You've got people with skills who have resigned. I really think that if I was in government, I would try to see if I can have a meeting with these type of people and try to work also. But those places are not being used. I would, the people that can really help, Right, there, there may be the consequences, don't misunderstand. But you are actually training them, and the part of their incarceration is that they have to do some manufacturing, learn something, and use those entrepreneurial skills that they got. But again, it is not something the government can do. It has to do with the private sector and those who are retirees, because they have to do some, a lot of volunteer work needs to be done to help these, these people, et cetera, et cetera. But um, if we're going to tackle this thing, I think that's another thing that, that probably can be done. The other thing is community programs and curfews. In some American cities, if you are a minor, you can't be out after 10 o'clock. I think that's a good thing. Okay, I think that's a good thing. Uh, and I feel that it's something that might need to be considered. If a person is a minor, who, who would want a minor out after 10 o'clock? Uh, and I think that that is something that they can look at as far as uh, uh, curfew is going. I like the idea that what the government's been doing sometimes is periodic roadblocks. 
where to stop you, search your vehicle. I think that should continue. I think that uh, confiscation of guns and tra- people doing illegal stuff. I, as a citizen or not, you know, a visitor here, whatever it is, I would never be offended if the if police stop me and just search my vehicle. I have nothing to hide, right? So I'm always for them doing periodic stops and checking it and stuff like that. Um, in some cases, you have neighborhood watch in Antigua, but I think that could be uh, improved as well, and I think that people could need to, to, to work on that. And I think as well that one of the things that would really bring down the crime in, in every Caribbean country is that they have to revisit the drug problem and uh, the approach to dealing with the drug problem. I think that is a thing that needs to be done uh, in that case. Uh, and then the other thing, Nathan, is to focus on the habitual criminal. Since these are the ones that get out and keep repeating the crime, I think they have to really work. Either they, they, they prolong the sentence uh, uh, and, and just not get into the mode of letting them loose, I think that would be a factor. So put a lot of emphasis on the, uh, the habitual criminal and keep, keep, uh, keep him in jail much longer. Pastor, we have a question that has come in in reference to uh, end times. It says, so if all that you're saying is true about the different things that will happen in the end times, why are Christian people taking the vaccine? But again, I, I use the word pestilence. I'm not saying that the, the vaccine has anything to do with the pestilence. The pestilence is what is going to come. But if there's a, if there's a, a disease that comes and the medical profession has a way of reducing the death, why would Christians uh, not take it? I mean, if you have measles... Is the vaccine the mark of the beast? No, of course not. Of course not. Thank you for listening to this episode, and we trust that the information that was shared over the last three weeks about crime and punishment has been eye-opening and educational, and also to give you a biblical perspective of what the Bible says about crime and punishment. Stay tuned to CRL. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth. Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kHz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.